Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the way. Um, so just real quick, let's just do a, an applause poll. Who's got the Chiefs tonight? I, I, I could have guessed so much over here. We got the Chiefs hat. How about the Eggles? The Philadelphia Eagles, a few more, and it looks like the third team is going to be the big winner. Who could care less? There we go. All right. There we go. All right. All right. Of course, Karen and I are Bronco fans. Uh, they didn't play football this year, so they, they were not qualified to, to be in the game tonight. But uh, we, you know, I think, as I said, we've got a daughter and, and a son-in-law living in Philadelphia now. So what does your shirt say, Karen? Sundays are for the birds. Uh, I think I think we're we're rooting for the the Eagles uh, today, so we're we're excited about that. Hey, big announcement! Uh, March fifteenth, we have a church business meeting. March fifteenth is a Wednesday, six fifteen, right here in this room. Going to have some a lot of things happening. It'll be one of the biggest meetings uh, we've had in a long time. We, we're, we'll be presenting a new budget. We run a fiscal year, April to March. Uh, so we're coming up on the end of the current budget. We'll be presenting a new budget. Uh, not a lot of change to it, but there will be a new budget there. I think we've got 20 deacons, uh, like eight or nine new ones. Uh, then some others returning to active service, like 20 deacons. A uh, couple of personnel things. We've got some committee appointments. So if we just stop right there, it's all big. But now here's the reason this is a big official announcement. We are making a change and some amendments to our constitution and bylaws. And by, by doing that, I have to announce that a month in advance. And so that's what we're announcing today. I have to make those changes and the Constitution and bylaws available to you at least two weeks in advance. So two Sundays from now, you'll you'll be able to start picking those up. And uh, pretty much entirely what these amendments uh, and changes are about is legally protecting and positioning our church uh, as it relates to all the gender and sexuality laws that have come into play uh, really over the course of the last year, some a little longer than that. But a, a lot of these laws put the church in a really bad place. And uh, so we're, we're trying to protect ourselves as much as we can there. And so that's what that's about. And so uh, you be looking for that in a couple of weeks. Of course, we'll make the budget available a couple of weeks also before the uh, meeting so that you can look at that. So uh, a lot of different things going on there. March 15th, 615 right here in this room. Talking about a new budget and, and money. When is the, the last time you thought about what you would do with $1.1 million? Excuse me, $1.1 billion. I mean, millions just play money now, right? It's pocket change. What would you do with one? But you don't, you hadn't thought about it recently? I have. I've thought recently about what I would do with $1.1 billion. I thought about that Tuesday morning, January 10th. You say, why would you remember that, that date? Well, because I, I wrote it down. Uh, I was driving to, to work. I was coming up Lakeview down here and approaching the boulevard right there where the, uh, the Publix is. And the news was talking about that night was going to be the drawing in the Mega Million Lottery. That's what it's called, right? Mega Million Lottery. Okay, uh, y- y- y'all don't know. That's actually kind of good. Uh, 
one, so, and they're saying it's $1.1 billion. Now, of course, you don't take home $1.1 billion. No, you get to share that with the government first. And so then you go home with a, a paltry $530 million. And so I, I started doing the math. Hey, what would, I, what would I do with $530 million? You know, they didn't draw a winner that night. It, it actually went into the weekend, uh, and it ended up, I think, at $1.35 billion. Uh, a guy out of Maine, I think he bought the ticket in New York, but a, a, a guy out of Maine won that. But remember, I'm back on Tuesday think it's, thinking it's only $1.1 billion. What am I going to do with $530 million? And right as I was turning left at the Publix, down there, coming up toward the church, I decided I was going to do, I'm only going to keep 10% for myself. Just $53 million for me. Because it's just... That's the kind of guy I am. Money's just not important. I don't want it, don't need it. I'm just 53 million for me, and, and then that's it. And then the other 90%, I'm going to give away. The other 90% would be $477 million. So right away, I do have one big love in my life, the Heights Baptist Church, and they're getting half of that. Isn't that exciting? The money we're going to have to spend here. And so I got like 235, whatever, 235 million. And then the rest, I started thinking about different churches, churches that played an important role in my life and a couple of friends and pastors that, you know, that I thought, hey, it'd be fun to send them this check and see if they think it's real, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of churches and then the, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia, the International Mission Board. I, I started thinking about half a dozen ministries, mostly we, that we as a church partner with. Um, all of these things, uh, other than all the churches, all of these things are, are things Karen and I already give to. We, we give to them regularly, but boy, this time is going to be with a lot more zeros in the check, okay? And so I'm, I'm spending this as fast as I can go, driving up here to the boulevard, down the boulevard up here to the church, and uh, I've pretty much got, got a lot of that spent as I pull onto our property right here at the light. And I mean, I'm now spending $235 million as fast as I can, just looking at, at, at the building. By the way, we're just going to spend it the way I want to spend it, so I'm going to designate all the giving so it can't be voted on. I'm, I'm sorry if you think that's unfair, but here, here's what I'll do. When you give $235 million, we'll do with it what you want, all right? This is my $235 million, and this is what we're doing. So we paved the lot back there. All that gravel, we just right away. I had that paved within 15 minutes. Yeah, you're ready for that. Okay, good. And um, then I built a chapel. I think we need a little smaller, intimate place for a variety of things. Now, obviously, the exterior needs to match, but inside, it looks like a chapel from like Scotland 300 years ago. It is, it is incredible. Heavy stone, heavy wood. It's going to be incredible. I think right over here, we're going to have a new gym. Yeah. Ready for that? This is all exciting. And so I got a new gym. And with the gym, we're going to put a brand new youth center. And then we're going to come to the current youth center. We're going to renovate that so that whole wing is, is just adults. Okay? So I'm spinning this. And, you know, I mean, I kind of can guess at what I think some of these things cost. And I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I don't even think I've made a dent in the $235 million. So I'm, you know, I park out there and I'm walking down the sidewalk and, and up to where my office is and I literally have this thought, I got to write this down and make sure I'm doing the, like it's real! You know, like I, I need to put the math to this, you know, make sure I haven't made a mistake. 
you know. And so I get in here and uh, I sit, I sit down in my office, and I don't know what switched so fast, but I, I'm, I'm not kidding, folks. I literally had this thought. I wonder if getting two hundred million dollars could be the most devastating thing that ever happened this church. I wonder if that could ruin our church because I mean, honestly don't really need God that much. Just just go to the bank. You know, you hear stories, don't you, about how bad things go for people who who win the lottery? And so I had maybe I thought maybe that's why I just had that thought. So I'm I'm sitting there and I start googling, you know, stories what happens to people who win the lottery and and wow, I mean, you google that, you're going to read stories for the rest of matter of fact, you can do that all the way through the Super Bowl, okay? Don't have to watch the commercials or anything. Just read about what happens to be. It's kind of interesting. And if you go to 10 sites, I guarantee you, you'll see this statistic on probably eight of them. Because I did. Uh, depending on what site you go to, you're going to hear this. 70% of those, and I'm not talking about, oh, you won $100,000. That's pocket change. Who cares? No, we're talking about the multi-million dollar winners, Okay. 70% of those lose it within five years. You think, well, no, now wait a minute. Okay, there's something I'm not understanding. Don't you think there's just no way? How would, how would you do that? Well, here's what happens. They go say, let's say I won $10 million. They go buy a $4 million house. Well, I still have $6 million left over. Well, I'm spending that too. But here's what happens. You buy things that you actually, you don't have an income stream to support. I may be able to buy the $4 million with cash, but now it's got to be insured and it's got to be maintained. And I guess insuring a $4 million house costs more than insuring a $100,000 house. Yeah, and so that's where people get themselves into this trouble. They, they have this money, but they don't actually have the income to su- support what they're buying. So I, I don't, do they really? I mean, you will find some sites, the other two. I said eight out of ten. The other two out of ten are say, hey, if you've read the statistics 70% in five years, that's hogwash. It's urban legend. That's not true. I, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, it's, it's on the internet, so it's gotta be true, right? I, yet you get conflicting information there. Now, you know, you stop and think about it. Clearly the big loser stories, those stand out, right? You know, but to hear that somebody, oh, I, they won $20 million 30 years ago and they've invested it well and maintained it well and they're living happily ever after. Well, I don't care about, I don't want to read that story. I want to read about the big loser story. So you, you can see how the people who don't lose it all really don't make the headlines. Not like, uh, Michael Carroll who won $15 million and guess what he lost in five years. $15 million. Sharon Tirabisi. Okay, and I don't know the 75 is true, but I know Sharon Tirabisi went through $10 million like a hot butter through knife. A hot knife through butter. I got that <laughs> dyslexic there. Went right through it. And, uh, and then there's Billy Bob Harrell. And you just say the name. You think this is going to not be a good story, right? I mean, how many jokes start with Billy Bob? I, I mean, golly, dog, really? There's a Billy Bob Harrell. Billy Bob Harrell won $31 million in 1997 and has not one thing to show for it. But you know, it's not just losing money 
that happens. It's what happens to an individual, what happens to a family when they get it. Did you know there's a measurable suicide rate among the big lottery winners? There's a measurable divorce rate, significant divorce rate. I mean, did, I mean, how many times you're arguing? Well, half of your arguments are about money in a marriage. How many times? In fact, you've got all the money in the world. All these arguments are gone. No, not one bit. Even more now get divorced. And there's William Post. William Post, 1988, won $16.2 million. Guys, remember when $16 million was a lot of money? Won $16.2 million, so his brother hired somebody to kill him so he could get the money. Now, I don't know why he thought that since his brother was now, would now be dead, they'd just come hand the money to him. But that, that, that's what he did. I, I, you know, maybe his guy was related to Billy Bob. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But, get, you know, some, some bad things happen. You know, it's funny. I'm reading all through this, and it, it's kind of crazy, hard to believe, a little bit funny. You've chuckled as I've shared this. You know, after the end of the last service, a couple came to me out there. They're relatively new to our church. I think they've just joined in the last year or so. Came out there and said, uh, you know, you don't have to win millions. My brother won $700,000. And there was such disagreement between he and his wife over how it should be spent and how it should be handled. Within a year, they were divorced. And within six months, he was murdered by somebody who didn't like what he was distributing and how he was doing it and where that left him. That's right here in our church family. And they go, oh, gosh, that's not funny, is it? You know, stories are funny until you put the name and a face with it. And it happens. I mean, this is, this is real. And so I guess that background, kind of a knowledge of that, is kind of wondered, could that, could that be bad if our church, all of a sudden, uh, we just dumped all this money on it? I mean, wouldn't it be a little bit demotivating to give? I mean, if we're sitting on this big cash, you heard already all the things I bought. We still got like over $100 million, way over $100 million. So, we, you know... It'd be hard. How do you give to a place that's got all that? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when Karen and I give, it's a sacrifice. We, we give a significant amount of money. It makes a significant impact on our budget and what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And, and we do that because for us, it's part of our worship. For us, it's, a, it's obedience. For us, it's, it's a way we trust the Lord. Now, let's say... All of us are kind of thinking the same thing. And so our worship drops a little bit. Our trust drops a little bit. Our obedience drops a little bit. That's not going to be healthy for a church. And you say, okay, well, I'm not giving it to the heights. I'll just go give it to another ministry or another place that needs it. But then, folks, you know, one of the things we all together do here is is we give. I mean, when, when Karen and I give, I'm trusting that y'all are giving and that all added up, we're going to be able to accomplish what we need to. You know, if, if I give and then none of y'all do, well, then my, what I gave won't accomplish what needs to be done. And all of a sudden now it got wasted. It's no, it's of no value. So see, we all kind of give trusting we're all doing it, aren't we? And now if there's no need that we all do that together, again, I don't, I don't think that would be healthy for us. As a church family. Now, I said, I wonder if. Could it be a bad... I didn't say it would be a bad thing. I said, I just, I just wonder what would the 
impact be? And so then I thought to myself, well, let's say, let's say 200 million would be bad, that that would have a bad, well, is there an amount that would be okay? Is there an amount that it would be, let's make it 150 million. At 150 million, are we safe? At 15 million, 1.5 million. Can we get to a number that's safe, that, that, that we can do, we, we can take that in and, and, and boy, we'll, we'll be okay with that number. Well, you know, it's, it's not an amount. It's, it's not an amount that makes somebody go awry. It, it, it's different for all of us. I mean, what makes one person or one family or one church go awry would maybe be a different amount for another individual, another person, a family, another church. And when I say go awry, what do I mean? Take our focus off the Lord. You see, there's a place, there's a point where I'm looking and God is my way, God is my work, God is my hope and answer. But then all of a sudden something happens and there's shift and what happened? All of a sudden now money is my work, money is my way, money is my hope, money is my answer. When did the shift happen? Well, it can happen a little bit different for anybody. What is clear all throughout history and in every life, money has an impact. And a lot of money has a lot of impact. And a lot of money quickly has even more impact. And that's why God warns us about this over and over. Look at, look at some of these passages. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth from get rich quick schemes. You know, the, the lottery, a big, some kind of big insurance payout. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, however I've decided I'm gonna be able to get rich. That it is just peers. Now that's not a rule. That's not a law. That's not a promise. God's not saying, I promise if you get a lot of money fast, I'm going to make sure it disappears. No, that is a, a, a principle. That is an observation. Generally speaking, when you look into humanity, people getting rich quick, lose it quick. And there actually is some stats that seem to back that up. Wealth from hard work grows over time. How about the next one? Again, a Proverbs, an inheritance obtained too early. Now, there's nothing wrong with an inheritance. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, blessed are those who can give an inheritance. Okay, so that's, that's a good thing. But boy, if they get it, you know, too much too fast, if it comes too early, ah, good chance that's not going to be the blessing we thought it was going to be. Look at the next one. Again, Proverbs, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies and the fantasies are not just any kind of dream in the world. It's back to that get rich quick scheme that the person who does that is going to end up in poverty. Again, that's just a general rule of thumb that God says, hey, you need to watch out for this. This just tends to be what happens with y'all. Jesus kind of summed it all up this way. He said, listen, you just can't chase after both. You're going to end up loving one and not the other, serving one and not the other. You know, the truth of the matter is, Jesus says, God and money. Well, there's a lot of things we can put in place of money. There's a number of things that could kind of get in a competitive place with God. But money, the reason Jesus refers to money there is because it's pretty universal. All throughout history, among every single person, here's one item that has the quickest ability to become a God in your life. And Jesus is saying, hey, you just can't run after both. 
Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, but those who desire to be rich, now this isn't talking about how fast or how much, it's just that becomes the passion of your heart. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge. Isn't that dramatic language? There's a lot of pow in those words that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, money's not evil. There's absolutely nothing. Money has never done evil, ever. Money is not, it's the love and the passion. The, the inability to manage the impact on our lives. That's what becomes the root of evil. So no wonder the scripture's then gonna say, hey, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. And then look what it attaches to that. The Lord is your helper. Hey, you know, money is a helper, right? I mean, it's not unspiritual. It's not a sin to, to acknowledge that. Money enables me to do things. Money empowers me to do things. Money is a helper in life, right? It's just not my helper. The Lord is my helper. And so that's when it gets a whole bunch real fast. Oops, I've been, I've been, I've been living like God was my helper, but now, ah, I just got plunged into the idea that that money is the helper. You know, you listen to all these verses and it kind of sounds like, hey, like, like God kind of has a hang up about money, doesn't he? God, God, God doesn't want me to have money, uh, apparently. Not at all. Uh, look at Deuteronomy 8.18. Remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That verse is not in any way a contradiction to any of the other verses we just looked at. It, it, the other verses are talking about its impact and what we do with it. God wants to give wealth and God knows what hurts us. So he gives warnings with it. He gives instructions with it. Says, hey, here's how you handle this. But it, it comes from me. Look at this next verse. It would, it would be good for a lot of the, the lottery winners. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he has, he has no sorrow with it. You see, God wants to provide in a way. God wants to bring wealth in a way that it's not going to harm the marriage. It's not going to harm the family. It's not going to harm your own soul. You know, only in America, only in America can you come into big money. And that means a year from now, you're further in debt and more in stress. More can mean less in America. That's crazy. It's because when it doesn't come from the Lord, you get all the sorrow that goes with that. All of the pain that goes with that. Philippians 4.19. It's not talking about how fast it comes or how much it is or how much you already have. It just makes it clear God is rich. There's no sin to being rich. God's rich. And out of that richness, he provides for, for you and me. He provides for us. So God wants us to be able to manage not just money, but to manage its impact on our lives. So, you know, again, I got to thinking, all right, there's this danger out here of all this money, but what if I do? What if I do come into a lot of money? 
What, what, what if I win the lottery? And I won't win the lottery because to win the lottery, you have to buy a ticket. I've never bought a ticket in my entire life. Not, not even for fun, not even just one little throw one dollar at it. You know why? Because I don't think that's a temptation in my life. But God says, God warns me about, you know, sometimes you step into something never knowing that, oh man, 10 years, this is going to mean this in my life. I started down a road I never knew that. So I just, I know who my helper is, and I don't want any temptation to be thinking that some big amount of money is going to be good. So I just don't even, I don't even buy a ticket. But yet, money can come. Lottery, insurance, an inheritance. Hey, maybe God just blesses something you're doing, a work that you're doing, and all of a sudden, here comes the money. Okay, well, that's wonderful, but God, is there a way I can get this and be safe? Is there a way to receive this money and it not become something devastating? Is there anything I can do? Yes, there is. Absolutely. Man, if God gives us something, he wants us to be able to manage it well. Well, And as he already said, there be no sorrow with it. And we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you so much that every good thing comes from you. Sometimes the the good thing is an amount of something. Sometimes the good thing is the ability to manage and stretch a lack of something. But every good thing is from your hands. You're a kind and a generous father. Lord, I want to manage what you have provided well for me, for my home. I, I want the way that is managed to honor you to obey you, to show faith in you, to show a love for you. Lord, I want, we want, nobody wants the the devastating impacts of this. So Lord, guide us, help us on how we can live, how we can act, attitudes that we can build, so that if a lot of money came our way, well, that just means a lot of good is going to happen. We just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.